So once upon a time, there was a teenage couple, 15 and 16, and like so often happens, unfortunately, um, they went too far in their physical relationship. They, they crossed lines and boundaries they shouldn't have. And these two kids were going to have a kid. And the parents of these two teenage kids um, decided that they couldn't take care of a baby and weren't willing to do that. And they knew their teenage children couldn't do that either. And so the decision was made once the baby was born uh, to place that baby up for adoption. Meanwhile, there was a couple, a married couple, uh, going into their late 30s. They had tried foster care. They had wanted children ever since the first day they were married. They knew they wanted children, uh, but it became apparent they weren't able to. And so they tried fostering. They tried the foster care system. And um, they had one foster child that was actually a teenage boy. And it was a very challenging experience for them. It was very trying. Um, they definitely gave this teenage boy all the love in their hearts. Um, but it just never seemed like it was quite enough. And so along the way, the teenage boy uh, found his biological father, reconnected with him, uh, didn't know whether he should leave this couple and go back to him or not. Uh, the father promised him that he'd give him a brand new car if he did, if he did come. And so, long story short there, the teenage boy left that couple, broke their hearts in doing so, and the couple just decided, you know, we can't go through this again. It was so devastating, it caused them so much pain, they just said, we can't do that again. So they had just decided that they weren't going to be able to have children. It wasn't meant to be. God just had decided that wasn't going to be uh, their story. Shortly after that decision, they received a phone call from a very good friend of theirs who was also a nurse at a local hospital, and she told them about a new baby boy that had just been delivered, and the parents were a teenage couple, 15 and 16 years old, and that they were going to place that baby up for adoption, and that the Social workers and every, everybody that was involved in that were already there at the hospital. The process was starting. But that if they acted quickly, they could go ahead and be the first ones in line, the first ones on the list, and that she felt sure they would be able to adopt this new baby. But they had to act within that weekend. They had already decided that if there were ever a monumental, life-changing decision such as this, then if there was a, a timetable attached to that, a specific timetable that didn't allow them a lot of time to receive counsel and thought and to pray about it extensively, they would automatically answer no, whatever that major decision would be. If it was something monumental that they didn't have adequate time to think through and process, they would just say no uh, to be safe. So... When that call came through and the situation was presented, the couple talked back and forth and ended up going back to that previously made decision and felt that this certainly applied. This is just way too big because they had a, a basically a 24-hour deadline 
that they had to let the people know what their intention was. And so they just felt like that wasn't, that wasn't enough time for them to, to really give it the thought, the prayer that they felt it needed and the counsel they needed to receive as well. So they responded, thank you for thinking of us, but no, we're just not going to be able to, to do it at this time. We just can't commit to that. Shortly after giving that answer, the wife just wasn't able to live with that decision. She had no peace. She spent hour after hour crying and just kept saying, I feel like we made the wrong decision. I feel like we should have said yes. And after several hours, the husband called back and said, look, I know, I know we gave you an answer of no. I know we said that we just weren't going to do it. But we've thought more about it, and despite our initial reaction, and despite what we already said we were going to do, we feel like we need to just jump into this, and we're going to take a step of faith. And if the baby is still available, we're in. We want him. And nothing had happened yet, and the door was still open. And so the process was started, the work was done, and within three days of that, I was brought to the doorstep of my mom and dad. I was adopted by Ed and Donna Chesley, and I was saved from who knows what kind of future, who knows what kind of situation. Most likely, uh, it stands to reason, at the time especially, that I would have gone into the system and bounced around from foster home to foster home. I didn't have to do that. I was able to come into a family that loved me from that moment on with every fiber of their being and placed within my heart not just an appreciation for parents, but an appreciation for adoption. And whether that's something similar to your story or not, whether you have been one that was adopted, or maybe you have adopted children. I know we have many in our church that that is true of. Um, One thing is, is clear. Adoption is needed. There's a huge need for families like my mother and father who will take a step of faith. And even though it's scary and messy and unpredictable, they recognize there's a need for it. And they're going to do what they can to meet that need. And so I want to personally say thank you to those of you in this church who have done the same kind of thing. Uh, I know full well what that means. I know full well what God can do through your giving of yourselves to children that are in need of that. And church, I want to encourage you to stop back by the the booth that Michelle has set up there after the service and uh, just... Maybe just get some information. You don't have to decide anything today. Uh, she probably wouldn't want you to. Uh, she'd probably want you to take some time to think through. But do that. Be intentional about thinking through whether or not God would lead you, yeah, you, to actually do something similar as, as foster care and taking a child that needs a structure and a, and a loving home. And even if it doesn't end up in adoption, yeah, that's that's definitely going to be devastating for, for a while if that takes place. If you open your heart to a child and they end up leaving that 
that home, your home, but you will still have, even if that's what happens, you will still have the chance to invest in a life literally for eternity because you'll have the chance to not just give them your love, but you'll have a chance to give them the love of Jesus that you know and that you have. And even if they leave the walls of your home, they will be able to take that with them wherever they go. You know, as, as one who was adopted, my family very early on told me that I was. They didn't really wait that long. I mean, they, they waited till I was at least old enough to hear and understand basically what adoption meant. Um, so they didn't really you know, waste much time with that. And they sat me down. I, I forget exactly how old I was, but they told me that, that, that I was adopted. They explained what that meant. They also told me that they had had a, a child in their home before, but they didn't adopt him. That's why he wasn't there. And they tried as best they could to explain what foster care meant and what a foster child looked like. And so they told me that he was with them, but, but he left their home and he went back to his dad and his family. And as a young child, one thing that stood out in my mind was a fear. There was a very real sense of fear that if I didn't match up to a certain standard, if I didn't meet a certain set of requirements, if, if I did enough bad things, that maybe that's what would happen to me too. That my mom and dad, who were the only parents I ever knew, because they received me when I was an infant, who may, maybe they would just say this was a mistake. Maybe they would say we couldn't do this after all, and they would send me either back to these parents that I didn't ever know that were biological, but that was it as far as their parent connection to me, or they would send me somewhere else. And I struggled, struggled with that for quite a while as a, as a small child. And I would ask questions a lot about whether or not I was going to have to go somewhere else, sent back or send on, sent on to, to some other family or other couple. And I don't remember all that was said But I do remember that my dad and my mom always, always assured me that was never going to happen. They would always assure me that I wasn't a foster child. I was their child forever. And they explained the difference between foster and adoption as best they could to a child. One thing that made all the difference in the world was when my mom and dad showed me this little plaque. And it was the Adoption Creed. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you've heard about it, maybe you've used it in your own home. It's powerful, it's beautiful. And here's what the adoption creed says. Not flesh of my flesh, not bone of my bone, but still miraculously my own. Never forget, for a single moment, you didn't grow under my heart, but in it. Church, whether or not you have been adopted or whether you or not you have adopted, that creed, maybe not literally, but certainly spiritually, is true of every single one of us. If you're in Christ today, you have been adopted. Here's what the Bible says about this in Galatians 4. Beginning in verse 4, 
The Word of God says, But when the fullness of time had come, when, when the right time came about, God's right time, which is always the right time, His timing is always perfect. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law. And, and we have to understand the gravity of that. Here's God the Father sending forth His Son, God the Son, who had always only known divinity. The eternal Son of God, Jesus, had always dwelt in complete oneness with His Father. The same divinity that God the Father was, so was God the Son. And they enjoyed this perfect harmony and fellowship and and a deepness to their relationship that we could never understand or fathom. No matter how much, parents, we love our children or we love our spouses, we can't even come close to the depth of love that Father and Son, Divine Father and Divine Son, felt and experienced together for eons and eons and eons of time. And here's God the Son, full divinity, being sent by God the Father, willingly going to come to this earth, this experience, where he added to his divinity limitless, totally all-powerful divinity, he added to that limited humanity. Think about that. Very God, adding on to his divinity, our humanity. And the lawgiver putting himself under the law. What was the point of that? What was the purpose? Why was such a radical rescue mission carried out? The next verse tells us, to redeem those who were under the law, the law of sin, the law of death, you and me, so that, the reason that needed to happen was this, so that we might receive adoption as sons. We need to understand the condition that we were in when we were given the chance for adoption, when adoption was made available to us the way we were when that happened. It wasn't as if we were just this great catch for God. No, not at all. The very moment that Jesus entered into our experience and our humanity was entering into a rebellious, evil world that despised everything God was and stood for, that made the decision long ago to rebel against everything he was and everything that he desires and decrees. Colossians 1.21 says this about us, apart from Christ, outside of Christ, says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Romans 5.10 says that we we were enemies of God direct enemies before him. And it's that situation, that circumstance that Jesus entered into. He entered into a a, a battle zone. He he entered into a, a world that was at war with him and loved them anyway and gave himself for it. Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So this is the, the type of people that Jesus left heaven to come and to give himself up for as the price to adopt. We weren't great. We weren't beautiful. We weren't 
full of worth and value before God. That's not why he adopted us. That's not the circumstances in which our adoption took place. God the Father looked at at us in our fallen state, in our rebellious state, in our wickedness, in our evil, in our death. And despite all that, said, I love you. And I love you so much that I'm going to actually send my very son to go and pay the, the purchase price, not just for your salvation, but so that I can adopt you forever into my family. And the result of our adoption, the next verses tell us all about that. Galatians 4, 6, And because you are sons through the Son, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That means He enables us and empowers us who are in Christ to look at God Almighty, not as judge, not as just this cold sovereign of of all that is, but to look at Him and say to Him with all affection and all personal connection, Daddy. When I was adopted into my my parents' home, and even if I had not been an infant, this would still be able to happen for me. If I was three, four, five, six, whatever, if I the moment I became theirs, I could with all confidence and all appropriateness look at my dad and call him daddy. Would never have had to call him Mr. Chesley or anything like that. Would be able to call him daddy. And I did. And you know, something that I love to hear as, I, as I've been able to come to know the different uh, foster children that have come through this church and through your, your families, I love listening to these children before adoption look at you dads and moms and, and call you daddy, call you mommy. It just thrills my heart. Because biologically, they're not your child. You're not their biological mommy or your daddy. But they understand very quickly, very early on, that that in itself is not what makes someone a daddy or a mommy. It's the accepting them into their home, their lives, their hearts, and loving them with everything they have. That's what makes a mommy or a daddy. And church, the same is true for us. By rights, by nature, we are not to be and should not ever be sons and daughters of the Most High God. By rights, that's not at all whatever should happen. Because we were enemies of the high king of heaven. We were in rebellious against him, his heart, his law, his everything. By rights, we don't deserve that. But by Jesus, he gives us the right to be called the sons and daughters of God. In Jesus and in the spirit of God, we have the ability to look at God and say, My daddy. It's beautiful. It's powerful, and it's only available through Jesus. Galatians 4, 7 says this. This is true of every single person in here who has come to Jesus Christ. If he is your Savior and Lord today, this is true of you. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What are you an heir of? You're an heir of perfection. You're an heir of righteousness. You're an heir of the glories of heaven. You're an heir of freedom. 
You're an heir of forever love. Church, understand this. If you're in Christ today, your entire identity has been changed forever. If you're in Christ today, then who and what you are is tied completely and totally forever without any brokenness or separation. Who you are is tied completely to who Jesus is. Your worth and your value. It's not tied to who and what you were or who and what you've done or who and what you haven't been or haven't done. It's tied to who Jesus is and all that he's done. When the Father looks at you, he doesn't see your flaws and your failures. He sees the beauty and the splendor and the righteousness and the merit of his son, Jesus. In those moments when the enemy comes behind you and whispers lies about who you are, that you're not really loved and you're not really valued. How could you be? When the enemy comes behind you and he reminds you of all that is true of us in our human state, in our fallen state, all that is true of us outside of Christ, when he says you're not good enough for grace, when he says you're not good enough to, to be adopted by someone like God, when all, and all that's true. But when he says those things to you, when you hear those things in your your mind and and start to trickle down into your heart, you can stop. You can stop all that. And you can return to the truth that is yours in Christ. That you are loved. That you are completely accepted. That you are valued higher than anyone or anything ever could be to the point of Jesus coming to give his life and that you stand before God Almighty forgiven, loved, redeemed, accepted, and made his forever. That's your identity today in Christ, adopted one. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Question is, though, what do we do with that? All right, hallelujah, we're adopted, and that's, that's a powerful truth, and it should fill your heart with joy and encouragement and happiness. It should excite you. It should do what Matthew said earlier about that song. It should, should light your furnace, and if it doesn't, yes, your wood is very, very wet indeed because there is no greater truth. But what do we do with that truth? What, what do we do with our adoption? What does that mean for us? How should this result in and through our lives? What should the result be? Well, here's what we should do with our adoption. We should be adoption ambassadors. We should be adoption ambassadors. And I'm talking here about spiritual Adoption. We should be ambassadors of the, the spiritual, eternal adoption that is available in and through Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, All this is from God. All this, this hope and this encouragement and this life in God, this adoption that I'm talking about, the, the newness of creation that takes place as verse 17 before tells us that anyone is in Christ is a new creation and old things are passed away and all things have become new. All this, our salvation, and all that comes with that is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and don't miss this part, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Once you've been reconciled to God, once you've come to Jesus and been reconciled, been made new, what he does with us, it's amazing, he takes us and he says, all right, now go out and be instruments of reconciliation for me. Go out and bring others to me that I might reconcile them to myself the way I did with you. If you've received reconciliation, you are to go out 
and carry out the ministry of reconciliation, bringing that to other people. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, which should have happened. There's grace. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What a beautiful, powerful message it is. Verse 20, therefore, in light of all that, We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In other words, be adopted. Adoption is available. That needs to be our message that we proclaim. Hey, world, adoption's available. Hey, orphaned world. Because everyone outside of Christ is very much an orphan. Every single person not in Christ is an orphan. They're lost, no matter how they may feel they are not. They are. They are without purpose. They are without an anchor. No matter how much they try to find an anchor, they will never find one that truly holds them and sustains them. They are lost, because only in Christ can one be found. And only in Christ can one be truly loved. Only in Christ can one know what it really means to have family, a forever family. So our imploring the world, those outside of Christ, to come to Christ and to be reconciled is really a proclamation and imploring to come to adoption. What else should we do with the adoption that we have received? We should be the hands and heart of Jesus to children and families in need. James one twenty seven, the first part of that, says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. There is a lot of example in our society in our culture, in our local area, there's a lot of example of, of orphans. There's a lot of example of widows and entire families that are in need. We don't have to look very far. You don't have to do an internet search to find it. You just have to look across your street. You have to look across the office. And I realize that not every single person here and every single church isn't going to just run right out and foster all those children and adopt all those children. And I know in some cases that wouldn't be good. That wouldn't be beneficial. But that doesn't mean that every single person here in every single church should not do something to contribute. That is definitely not the case. If you can, if there's any way you can physically Foster, then yes, you should do it. And maybe that will lead to adoption. Maybe it won't. Again, though, either way, it's a win-win for you and for that child. Every single person that is fostered would stand up and say amen to that. I know they would. My parents would say amen to that. Even though the fostering aspect hurt them, uh, they would tell you over and over again how glad and thankful they still were to be able to do that. And I know they they would do it again. 
But even if, if you can't do that part, you can give financially to the different agencies that need the financial help. You can give financially to the foster parents within your own church, within our church here. You can help support them with all the incredible financial needs and burden that that is. You can come alongside them and encourage them because they need daily encouragement. It's a hard thing to do. There are rough days. There are hard days. And you can love those foster children and and those adopted children that come into the families that are in our church. You can love them and and be examples to them and be used of God to, to pour into them the truth of the gospel alongside their foster families or their new adopted families. You know the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Well, we need to understand it really, biblically, takes an entire church to raise up spiritually uh, anyone at all, whether it's a child or adult. It takes all of us together, and it's especially true of, of children it takes all of us. It should take all of us. We all have responsibility to pour in to those that God brings along our path. So there's so many things we can do. Physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually. And the point is, this is what is pure and undefiled religion before God. You, you want to do something that honors God? You want to do something that He is proud of, that He accepts? Well, this is what we do. This is how to do it. It's to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction. And that that doesn't just mean physical things. It means all sorts and manners of support. We need to be mindful of that. We need to have hearts that are geared that way. And we need to understand that as we do that, we will look a whole lot like the Lord Jesus. And we will resemble him in his heart of compassion toward the least of these. And that's what we're called to do. Here's what he said. Here's what we know he did in Mark 9, 36. The Bible says, He, Jesus, took a child, had him stand among them, among his disciples, among those he was teaching, and taking him, this little child, in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one little child such as this, in my name, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, in other words, does not just welcome me, but him, the Father, who sent me. You want to welcome Jesus? You want to show love to Jesus? You want to honor Jesus and the Father who sent him? Then love and reach out to those that are in need, the least of these. And as we're talking about today, specifically in this context, let's reach out to those children that are in great need, those 6,000 that are in need of, of a home, a structure, a stable environment of love and of warmth and of the truth of Jesus who loves them more than we ever could. Let's be about that. And let's be asking a very bold question, one that takes great courage, but one that needs to be asked, which is this, Oh God, what would you have me do? God, would you please lead me into the specific direction and area of help that that I can help, that I can contribute? Would you show me what I'm supposed to do about this? God, would you give me a heart that says this is my problem, not just their problem? God, would you give me a heart that owns this, 
and that takes personal responsibility, whether that means I open my home and my heart and foster or adopt, or whether it means I come alongside those who do, show me what I can do. Church, let's let, make this our problem. Let's make this our opportunity to be the solution. Let's be the hands and heart of Jesus to this very important needy segment of the world around us, recognizing that these children, these orphaned children, it's not their fault. They did nothing wrong to deserve their situation. And to you foster parents who take these children into your homes, and in some cases it's a rough thing. I, I know it's, uh, in many cases it's, it's the total opposite of comfortable, the total opposite of easy. It's stressful, it's hard, it's painful. Sleepless nights, unheeded word and rejection of discipline. In those times, and in those times, church, you're tempted as you see those maybe unruly children around here, walking around, maybe getting into trouble when they shouldn't. As you see those and as you take those children into your homes and you're tempted to despair and you're tempted to say, oh, this just doesn't work, this never can work, think back to what was true of every single one of us outside of Christ. That we are all, outside of Christ, enemies of God in worse rebellion than we could ever see in front of us. And yet he loved us so much that he sent his son to pay the ultimate price, his very life, to not just redeem us, but to adopt us. Let that give you encouragement and hope. And I want to also leave you with one other incredible truth, and may it be of great encouragement to you. God isn't in the foster business. God never fosters anyone. It's never a temporary living arrangement with God. You're either adopted or you're not. If you come to Christ, there's never going to be a point in your life here on earth or in eternity where God looks at you and says, you know what, this just isn't working out. I'm going to send you back to your original father. We know that if you're not in Christ, the Bible is clear that if you're not a child of God, you're a child of Satan, you're a child of the enemy. There's never going to be a time, believer, where God sends you back to that. Nothing you can do in your still propensity towards the flesh that we all have, when you still choose sin over righteousness as a believer, that's never going to be something that causes God the Father to look at you and say, well, that's it, no more, you're not mine anymore. It's never going to happen. If you've been adopted through Christ, the Holy Spirit is your seal of adoption. He's the spirit of adoption, and no one can ever, and no thing can ever undo that seal. Rejoice in that, believer. Anchor yourself to that truth. And please tell others about that opportunity to know what you know, an eternal adoption by Almighty God. And as we proclaim that and as we 
reach out to those around us in need, children and families, whole families. We need to understand that we serve him by serving them. We serve him by serving them. Let's do that. Let's take up that call. Let's find great joy in that. Let's be passionate about it. And let's be continually asking, God, how can I do that? How will you lead me? How will you use me to serve you by serving them? And all that that involves. Let's pray. If you're here today and you're not a a believer in Christ, you can't say that you know you've been an adopted one. You know that you're... You're outside of Christ. You've not ever given him your life. You've not ever given him your heart, your mind. You can't really say he is your Savior. But maybe the Holy Spirit has dealt with your heart very personally and specifically today, and he's led you to wanting that more than you ever wanted anything before. And you're here today, and you want to be adopted by God. You want to know what that's like. You want to experience that. I want to give you that opportunity I want to tell you that you don't have to do anything special uh, in the form of some big display. You can write where you're at. You can talk with the God of the universe and you can say, I know I'm not yours, but I want to be. I know you sent Jesus to die for me for my sins as the payment for my rebellion against you. I know you gave Jesus so that you would adopt me, so that I could be adopted and be your very child. That's what I want today. God, I give you myself I want Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. You can do that right where you're at. And if that's your desire, and if that's what you want to express to God, I want the privilege of just praying for you in that. And praying for your heart in that way. Is there anyone who would say, yes, that's me? Anybody at all? Yeah, you described me, and that's what I want. Anybody at all? Okay. I'm going to pray now and just ask you to pray with me before we uh, sing a, a great closing song of worship. Father, thank you for adoption. Thank you that through your son and through his incredible sacrifice, we have the ability to, despite our being enemies of you, despite our lack of worth and value, despite us being incredible sinners, We have the ability to look at you and call you daddy and to be loved with a love that no one else could ever give us and to be held and kept secure more securely than anything or anyone could ever keep us. We have the ability to have a future and a hope and a reality of life that goes beyond anything we could ever dream. And it's all in and through your son and through his sacrifice for us. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for adopting us in and through him. And thank you for giving us your spirit as an unbreakable seal of that which we have. May every single person in this room know that personally and experience it fully. And may we go out and proclaim it. May we truly be ambassadors of the adoption we have received. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.